This morning, God really spoke to me. And I want to I wanna just share with you what he said. And let me pray, and then I'm, I'm going to share it with you. Father, I pray for physical strength to share what uh, you placed on my heart. Lord, I believe it's from you. And Lord, I pray that we'll receive it and act on it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the question I want to ask you is, where was God on Election Day? Where was God on Election Day? Well, there were probably more prayers for this election this year than any other. I know I prayed more about it, and I know you did. Billy Graham said this was the most important election in his lifetime. At Luke 4.18, we prayed on Thursday mornings, Thursday nights. We prayed constantly. I know you prayed And so we've never prayed for an election like this. The choice was unmistakably clear. It's never been clear. Mitt Romney, even though he was a Mormon, and I don't believe like Mormons believe, he was a a man that was high high moral character, pro-family, pro-life, pro-free enterprise, all government, and God was a vital part of, his, of, 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 of their platform, okay? So we know what he stood for, and he was unashamed of it. Barack Obama was for same-sex marriage, pro-abortion, tax-funded, uh, supported, requiring companies to have insurance to cover abortion, for big government and uh, socialism. So, the Democrats had to vote in Charlotte to put God in their platform. He was not in there. But they voted to put him in. Wasn't that nice? That was real nice. Okay? Well, the choice was clear. There wasn't any question about it. It wasn't like it was gray. The choice was absolutely, unmistakably clear between the two candidates. Uh, We were praying for victory, uh, uh, for morality, for for pro-life and pro-family. Well, Barack Obama won. Now, I want to ask you a question. What about all our prayers? What about our crying out to God? And asking God for victory. Now, I'm going to tell you some answers. And the first one is not right. So don't say amen to it, okay? <laughs> it is not right. Somebody said, well, about the election. God is sovereign. And since God is sovereign, it was God's will for Obama to be elected. God has a purpose, a will, and a purpose in it. Wrong. Absolutely, 100% wrong. God is sovereign. But let me tell you about that. And I never thought of it this way till this morning. God is sovereign, but as a part of his sovereignty, God gave us 
of free will. He gave us the power to choose. Now, if you doubt that, go back to the Garden of Eden. When God said to Adam and Eve, you can eat of any tree in the garden, but now you can't eat of the one of the uh, fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you do, you'll die. Hey, from the very beginning, God created them with the power to choose and with the power of a free will. That's a part of the sovereignty of God that thus those of us who are created in his image have the power of choice. So on election day, the American people had the power to choose. No question about it. Everybody that went to the ballot box had the power to choose. We could choose pro-life, pro-family, pro-marriage, or we could choose same-sex marriage, homosexuality, sodomy, uh, pro-death, abortion. I mean, the choice. Now, folks, it wasn't like we did not understand. It was absolutely clear. In God's sovereignty, he gave us a choice. And at the ballot box, Americans exercised their free will, which I'm thankful to God that we have a country where you can still exercise your free will. Amen? All right. But we exercised our free will, and we made a choice, and our choice was anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-word of God. You can say anything you want to. Uh, John MacArthur said that the platform for the Democratic Party was Romans chapter 1. Read it. Okay. That's what he said. He never said anything like that before. So, God gave us the sovereign power to choose. You say, but Brother Fred, God is sovereign. And he gave us the power to choose. How do you know it wasn't God's will? Maybe God's trying to do something in America. How do you know it's not God's will? Now listen to me. if, If you know anything about the nature of God, it would never, never, never be the will of God for us to vote for same-sex marriage, pro-abortion, and all that's associated. Because you know why? God is holy, holy, holy. He hates sin. He hates sin. It was sin that caused him to let his son go to the cross. And to think that God has changed his nature and character. The Bible says, uh, let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God. God can't be tempted with evil. Neither tempts he any man. But everyone is tempted when they're drawn away with their own lust and enticed. And when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. So America had a choice between evil and righteousness. He said, but Brother Fred, there were other issues. They were minor issues compared to evil and righteousness. You trust me. Okay. You know, so America chose evil over over righteousness. 
So as with Adam and Eve, when they chose to sin, there were consequences. Sin has its own built-in consequences. Whatever you sow, you reap. Okay. So you say, well, Brother Fred, we, uh, so many of us made right choices, and, and there were millions, listen to me, millions of born-again Christians who went to the ballot box and voted for righteousness and voted uh, for, for God's Word. Oh, there were millions, millions. And, uh, but, but the truth is, America... As you look at the vote tallying, there are more lost people in America than there are saved people. There are. And, and there's a secularism. Look at the map. The Midwestern states, the southern states, where there's still some moral values. They're eroding, but there's still some where people still go to church and where there is some semblance of family. And, and I'm not saying that we don't have problems. But you look in every one of those were red states. But you've got to understand. Let's take the, the, the Northeast. 85% of the people there never go to church. Never. They have no understanding of God. I mean, we're talking about 85%. And a lot of the churches they go to are dead and lifeless. And so we've got a, every how many million people that voted the way they voted, that have no spiritual discernment, no spiritual understanding. And to them, it was just a matter of, I like his ideas better than the other ideas. And, and the fact that sin and evil was involved, I, 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 I doubt seriously if it occurred to them. Well, somebody said to me, but you've got to understand that um, God used Nebuchadnezzar to bring Israel back in line. And I said, now Lord, I want you to tell me about that. Let me tell you the difference. Israel is God's chosen people. Y'all know that, don't you? And in that day, they were God's chosen people. And so God dealt with his people one way instead of another way. Now you got, And I'm not saying this, I love this nation, but America is not God's chosen people. We're not. The Jews are. Now the church is. The church is God's chosen people now. It says that we are a, a, a chosen generation, a holy nation, God's own special people, that we should call people out of darkness into light. Now God deals with his church, and he has his own way of doing it. But God did, not, God did not put a Barack Obama in office uh, to punish America for its sin and to try to get America to shape up. Uh, that ain't it. Uh, we're not God's chosen people. The American people made a choice. And through, through darkness, blindness, and evil, uh, the choice was the wrong choice. All right. But remember, it was not God's will. Americans exercised their choice and chose their will over the will of God, and it's done, been done many, many times. Now, the question is, uh, where do we go from here? 
right? We're we're a chosen generation, a holy nation, God's own special people to call people out of darkness into light. All right, I'm going to share with you about five things. And um, they're convictions. Number one, you know this, but I'm going to tell you. We are to pray for those in authority. We're to pray for them. Now, you read 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 6. It said, pray for those in authority, those that rule over you, kings, presidents, whatever they are. said, pray for them that we might live a, a quiet and peaceable life in godliness. So, we pray for the president. We pray for it. Well, how am I going to pray for it? I'm going to pray, first of all, that he'll get saved. And then I will pray that his wife will get saved. Then I'm going to pray his children will get saved. And then I'm going to ask God to, uh, there's a verse of scripture. I'm not sure how it fits this situation. But, I, it, but it's, it, it, it says, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like a river, he turns it wherever he would. It is possible for God to so influence Obama that he won't even know it's God. You understand what I'm saying? He won't even know. And so just pray for God. Influence him. And, uh, and, and for God somehow, even though he's lost, to somehow intervene on his behalf and our, our nation's behalf. Now, this is a real important one. So we've got to pray for those in authority. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I told Ann. I told Ann. I said, now, we've got to pray for those in authority. We've got to pray for President Obama. She said, I ain't praying for him. But some of y'all felt the same way, so don't. <laughs> She's changed her mind. She knows that she needs to pray for him. She, she does not have the gift of mercy. Okay, now, I want y'all to list at this. And I don't want to offend anyone, but this is strong on my heart. Let's do not focus in this coming year and the next four years if it lasts that long. Let's do not focus on Obama. Let's focus on Jesus. And did you hear what I said? And I mean, all, I used to get 20 emails a day all about Obama. You know, I've clicked most of them off. I didn't even read them. Now, folks, listen. We don't need to focus on Obama. Well, did he have a birth certificate? It's, it, it's immaterial now. He's the president. Okay? Does he have a conspiracy to try to extend his term? Well, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But I'm telling you, do not focus on him. Listen to the Bible. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Looking, all right, it says, Whereas we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, those who went before us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which easily beset us. Now listen to this. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. See, we've got to focus on Jesus, y'all. He's the answer. And we, we focus on Jesus. And we hear something negative through the news or whatever. Man, we just go to Jesus about it. Say, now, Lord, you know, we, we, we confess the sins of this nation but God, we're asking you, Jesus, to intervene and to move. So we, we just got to focus on, on, um, on the Lord and not on Obama. 
Frankly, I don't intend to listen to him when he speaks. I don't intend to watch him on television. I don't let's listen to intend to listen to the state of the nation. I'm not going to listen to him because I don't trust him. I'm just telling you right now, I do not trust him. Why should I listen to a man I don't trust? I have no intention of giving him any of my time. There are more important things to do than that. All I'm saying to you, what you do is your business. But you need to focus on Jesus and seek him and cry out to him and pray to him and say, Lord Jesus, you're you're Lord of heaven and earth. You're at the right hand of the Father in authority. And I'm trusting you. My life is in your hands. My grandchildren, my kids are in your hands. And I'm trusting you. And folks, listen to me. Pray for those in authority, but focus on Jesus and not on Obama. All right, here's the third thing. America's problem is not political. It's spiritual. We, we, this, this country is full of unsaved people. Now, no wonder we're so divided. Can two people walk together unless they agree? No. Can, can it, the Bible says that uh, darkness and light cannot fellowship? You say, Brother Fred, how could they be so far over here and not? Listen, lost people are just that. They have no spiritual discernment. And, and, so, and so you've got to understand, if you wondered if there were many in our country, uh, there are plenty, I can assure you right now. And plenty in the Bible Belt, too. Religious people, but lost people. But I'm just telling you that the problem is the church, uh, we've got to be witnesses. We've got to tell people about Jesus. We've got to pray that people will get saved and come to Jesus. Only Jesus and a person that knows him can unite our nation. It won't be united by one man, a group of men. But if we focus on Jesus... And we realize we've got a spiritual problem. And I know y'all know this. I'm just emphasizing it. And we cry out to Jesus for unsaved people. We do all we can to witness to them, win them to Christ. Uh, we've got to realize that when a man or woman's born again, they see things totally different. They enter a new world spiritually. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness unto him. But he said, but you have the mind of Christ. All right, here's the fourth thing. And, and we've been doing this, but we need to intensify. We need to pray for a genuine spiritual awakening and for the Christians in this nation. If the church, and I, hate, I don't like to use that, right, that term, most of organized religion that we have in America is not the church. It's organized religion. But there are millions of God's children in this country. It doesn't matter if it's California. It doesn't matter if it's Florida. There are millions of God's children. I mean, God has a remnant, and the remnant is his church. So we have got to pray for God to awaken, awaken the church, and to set us on fire. Just on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we can want do one or two things. We can say, well, four more years of misery, four more years of wondering if what, we're going down the drain. Or we can say, but wait a minute. God, revive your people, O Lord. 
Set your church on fire. Make us light and salt. And let us be used by you, O God, to change this country. Oh, spiritual awakening. It's happened before, and it needs to happen again. And I'm going to pray. I'm praying that we'll not let the darkness overwhelm us. But as a church, we'll be light and salt. And we will be dead set on seeking God for revival. As hard as we prayed for this election, we need to double it up and pray for revival in the church. Because the church is going to make the difference. It won't come from the White House or the Law House. It'll come from God's house. And if you don't believe that, you're in trouble because then you ain't got any hope. But I have hope that what the devil has meant for evil, God can turn it around and make it for good. So we gonna, maybe the church will get on its knees and we'll see real revival. All right, this, I think this is the last thing. I think it's number five. This is going to help you. In the early church, uh, Christianity never had a friend uh, in government, none whatsoever. I mean, when did, when did the church flourish? In the Roman Empire. What did the Roman Empire do to Christians? They martyred them in the stadiums. So the government was never, the church grew and the church prospered and the church was blessed amidst government that was totally ten times worse than our government. So let me just say this. Government can't keep the church from prospering. Amen? The government can't keep the church from being alive. So you've got to understand that government has never been the friend. In America's early heritage, yes. But as years have passed, no, you find most governments oppress Christianity instead of blessing it. Uh, if you don't believe that, reach Hebrews 11. If you don't understand how Christians were treated and government worked, you read uh, Hebrews 11. Now, I want you to listen to this verse. And I don't know how this will play out in the next four years. They who live godly in Christ Jesus suffer persecution. Did you hear what I said? Didn't say those that compromise will suffer persecution. Those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer. There always is uh, there already is some degree of it. I don't know how much uh, it will increase. But I'm saying to you, we cannot be silent. We speak up for morality. We speak up for marriage. We speak up for pro-life. We take a stand on moral issues that are clear in the Word of God. We do not compromise. And we let our voice be heard as a body of Christ. But we've got to understand it's going to cost us something. It'll cost us something. Uh, so realize that we just got to focus on Jesus and not on the government. Now, like, I, heard, I got a, a, had my uh, iPad, and there was a little email or, that came on the front of it. And I said, here we go again. It said, a church, a hospital in Louisiana 
They've told the nurses that they got a chip implanted in them. They were going to lose their jobs. Well, I don't know if that's true or not. But, 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 but you know, what does that do? Does that say, well, hallelujah? No, it puts fear in you. And, and, and I'll tell you, that's, that's one of the greatest weapons the devil has. Well, this is what's going to happen. Listen, I want to ask you one question. Is God still on the throne? Is God still in control? Does God still act in the lives of men? Well, that's where I'm looking, buddy. And if they try to put a chip in me, it's going to be awful hard. I may be dead when they put it in, but they'll let me know when they put it in. You know, there, there are a lot of good people in government. A lot of good people. We need to pray for those in the House and the Senate that are Christians, that are godly. There are plenty. They are Christians, I'm telling you. We've got Christians in our local government, and we need to pray for them. So, but I'm just saying, in Washington, it, we're deadlocked. It's a serious deal. I don't know what's going to happen in the next four years. I do know there will be consequences of the choice America made. I don't know what it will be. It's God's business, not mine. Well, let, let me conclude this by saying that we're going to, what, we, what we need to do is pray for those in authority. We need to focus on Jesus and not government. We just need to focus. We need to pray for revival, for spiritual awakening in the church. And we need to pray for those that are lost and do all that we can to help them come to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And, and so we just, we, I'll be honest with you. I think as much as I regret four more years, it's just an opportunity for us to be negative, be full of despair, say, I quit. I'm moving to Mexico. You don't want to go to Mexico. <laughs> Canada, well, that might be. The... the early Christians did not break and run. So I'm just saying to you, let, let, let's, let, let's look at this through the eyes of God. And let's pray. Okay, Lord, America's people have spoken. But we don't agree with it, and we're praying against it. We're asking you to intervene. Let's just pray. Because I will say this to you. Uh, (laughs) And this, this is good. The Bible says that us who are saved, we're looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. We're pilgrims and strangers. We pilgrims and strangers, y'all. We're just passing through. We're just passing through. And so, man, th- th- this is not our home. Hey, I'm, I'm 70, feel like I'm 84. I'm 74, and, and, and I ain't got a long time. I got more than, than I had before I got this done. But I'm just going to tell you, uh, uh, th- this is just a grain of sand compared to eternity. And remember... We're looking for a city. Hallelujah. And, and let's keep our eyes focused on the fact that we'll be faithful as long as we're here. And then we'll go to be with Jesus when his time comes.
Uh, and I, I've got to write Romans eight twenty eight over this. That's hard. But I'm going to write it over. Because God is, God is not a man that he can lie, right? Okay, listen to what he said. All things work together for good to those who love God. Do you love God? All right, then I, I should promise. I said, Fred, what happened ain't good. You can put any spin on it you want to. It ain't good. Do you know what he said to you? You love me, so all things work together. We're good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. So, we're just going to keep on loving God, and we're going to see how God puts some pieces together. Let's just see how God puts the pieces together. Let's just see how God puts the pieces together. And, you know, I felt like, uh, as your pastor, we prayed about all this, and this was an important time in the life of our church and our nation. And I felt compelled that I needed to share with you what God shared with me. And I, I know it's from God. I do. And I just pray you'll take it to heart. And the things that I've mentioned, that you will just zero in on it. And let's, let's, let's walk through this in victory and not in defeat. Let's walk through it with rejoicing instead of murmuring. And let's be positive instead of negative. Got it? Amen. All right. Again, I want to thank the Lord for the great job that Brother Joe's doing. I love that man and Ed and Martin and David and S.L. They're all doing a great job and our secretaries. And I, let's let them give, I mean, I thank God for it. And uh, you're in good hands. And uh, I'm trying to figure what I'm going to, I'm hoping Ann and I can come to church. Uh, I don't think I'll make it this Sunday uh, because I tire so easily. But I'm hoping the next Sunday, which will be the Sunday before Thanksgiving, that we'll be able to come to church. Just be there and listen to Brother Joe and enjoy the worship. And now, Ed, wh- why did you sing my favorite song last Sunday when I wasn't there? <laughs> I did it God's way. Now, why in the world did you do that? Well, okay. <laughs> okay. But I know we'll be um, there, not this Sunday, but next Sunday. You say, well, Brother Fred, when are you going to come back to the pulpit? Well, there are two, two things. One, when my body tells me I can. And right now, my body's good one day and it's bad another day. <laughs> but when my body says, I, you know, I, I can do it, I'm going to do it. I'm hoping and praying that I'll be able to be back in the pulpit by the uh, second Sunday in December. And I think I've got three more Sundays in November and one in December. I really believe, um, I went to the doctor today, and he uh, uh, gave me an EKG. Heart was in perfect rhythm. He, He checked out the pacemaker. He said, this thing got hot Saturday night. What was wrong with it? He said, it's a wonder it didn't blow. 
I said, I don't have to tell you what happened. But uh, he, um, he said the pacemaker was working perfectly. They got this test that they can say where it's working perfectly. So my heart rate, my, my valve is working perfectly. My rhythm is in, in rhythm where they did cut that, uh, burn that nerve. And uh, the pacemaker is working great. So it's just a matter of getting over uh, the surgery. And it's been 34 days. So I, I'm, on, I'm on the way, but uh, he said, told me today it'll be about three or four months before you feel good. But I ain't got to feel good. I just got to feel good enough. Y'all understand? <laughs> but I'm not going to hurt myself and push myself. Well, how many of y'all have been by the building site? Have you seen the steel going up? Hallelujah. Oh, Mike speaks, emailed me and said, the steel is rising to heaven. I said, glory to God. I said, glory to God. That's wonderful. Well, anyway, I, uh, let, let me have a word of prayer, and then I'm going to turn it over to Ed, and he's going to close it out the way he needs to. I'd love to come to every table. Shake your hand or hug your neck. I'd love to do that. You know, you're not, that's what I've done all my ministry. But I'm not strong enough today, but I will be soon. I thank the Lord for it. And let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you for the prayers of my brothers and sisters. I'm sitting here tonight because they have so diligently prayed for me, for Ann, for my health. Lord, truly, I know that I owe them in many ways my life by their fervent and persistent prayer. I thank you for every card, for every word of encouragement. Lord, I bless you, and I thank you. And I thank you for the way you're continuing to bless Luke 418. I give you glory. But now, Lord, I pray that as your people we will say, okay, America made a wrong choice. There are consequences. What we don't know, that's God's call. But Lord, we pray that we will live according to the word of God. I pray we'll pray for those in authority. I pray that we just keep our focus on Jesus and that we won't focus on Obama. I pray, Lord, that we'll diligently cry out to you for revival. I pray, O oh God, that we'll witness and we'll, we'll pray that churches will be started up in the northern part of our country and other places where there's no witness, where 90% of the people have no uh, evangelical association at all. God, we somehow pray this nation would be evangelized. Lord, we send people overseas, but Lord, have mercy. We need to send some to the north and some other places. But, Lord, thank you for each one of these people. Thank you for their love. And now, Lord, would you make Luke 4.18 the church you want it to be? It's not our church, Lord. It's your church. We pray that Jesus will be Lord in every way of our church. And we say ours, it's yours. And that he'll be glorified and that you, your, your son exalted. In Jesus' name, amen.